0: You're listening to Sustainably Geeky, the podcast for everyday environmentalists.
1: Sustainably Geeky, episode 7, no 8. I think we're on episode 8 now. Um, We've been doing this for a while and we're really excited to come to you today and talk about um, food production. I'm joined by Jen and Chris. Hello. And oh, Stefan is not joining us today, but we hope to have him back next week. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to jump on in. And um, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about food production, the consequences of that activity and um, ways that we can kind of, you know, impact or lessen um, the impact of that. Um, so with that, does anyone have anything they would like to start with?
0: um I'll start the uh, okay. Canada the new Canada food guide came out. it hadn't been <clears throat> updated since two thousand and seven so what makes this uh food guide different from previous ones is that this was um solely uh put together by scientists there were no lobbyist groups involved, no businesses, nothing like that with agendas it was just pure fact science based um food guide and so the big difference is that portion size went out the window because really like when somebody says a serving or a portion size you don't go around carrying measuring cups and weights and stuff like that to actually know what that is so that's gone um the number of servings is gone um and the biggest thing is they've divided up the plate so it's a big plate so half it's covered in fruits and veggies the a uh, quarter of it is grains and then the big one, the big difference um, is the protein portion. So mixed in, you know, the regular meat, um, the meat part's gotten a lot smaller. And instead it's um, got lentils and beans and tofu and other plant-based sources of protein. And then instead of recommending milk or juice as um, a beverage, it just recommends water.
2: Nice. I like yeah. it.
0: Yeah. So it's been the biggest difference is that, you know, dairy is not considered, you know, a daily thing you should consume and processed meats are out and things like that. So it's a little bit more. Natural. Straightforward with what you're supposed to be. Well, because before processed meats would count as a serving of protein, right?
1: Whereas
0: mm-hmm. this is saying none of that you can have plant-based protein, eggs every once in a while, a little bit of chicken, a little bit of red meat, but less processed food for your protein, which is good. Yeah, so they've completely cut out the dairy category.
1: So your food pyramid has shifted a little in Canada. It's a big plate. (laughs) 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 Yeah,
0: well, I grew up with that one too, right? The pyramid with with the food groups and everything like that, but like dairy being a complete food group on its own and yeah uh, this time it's just a big plate with cross sections all cut out and stuff
1: yeah you are hearing more and more about how dairy is not actually like our bodies aren't made to actually consume it and digest it and uh that's why lactose intolerance is so so prevalent (laughs) in humans Uh, because we're not actually supposed to eat it or drink it yeah
0: my son's lactose intolerant and it's a it's a big deal around this house when he's had some (laughs)
2: Yeah, my husband has that same problem.
1: (laughs) They contribute Um, to the greenhouse gas emissions. Yes, we're gonna (laughs)
2: talk about later. It is interesting, though, how certain cultures have it worse than others. Um, Mm -hmm. It's almost like if you're not raised drinking milk all the time, and then suddenly you become an adult and you think you can all of a sudden start drinking milk, it's, like, not the case. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I read an article about how uh, milk or dairy products in general cause an inflammatory response in your body. Like, you have this reaction that occurs similar to an injury. So your body responds by creating antibodies to try to, like, heal itself, which causes inflammation in your body when you're eating Dairy products similar to when you have an injury. So I was, just, there's a lot of things like that. It's sugar, a lot of grains. Um, you know, everybody talks about eating clean and it's a lot of those elimination diets to kind of like try to pull out dairy and grains and sugar and those types of things. Cause your body creates inflammation trying to like process it.
1: Everything that I love is that. Basically.
2: <laughs> right?
0: I'm I watched take... I watched a YouTube video. Um, she's this wonderful, beautiful vegan, and they had this pizza party, and it was the saddest pizza ever. And I'm like, if Jen saw this, she'd just shake her head. Because <laughs> they made it I, out of I potatoes. Saw...
1: <laughs> JP Sears did a video on a vegan pizza, and it was, like, made of chopped up cucumbers, the dough, and then the toppings. <laughs> The cheese for more cucumbers, but they were all chopped. It's yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, no. like it's like that Simpsons. <laughs> episode. Yeah, where Homer goes on a diet and the dietitian's like, just substitute this for a bell pepper. If you want this, bell pepper. So everything was substituted for a bell pepper. Thirsty, drink a bell pepper. Ugh. Juice of bell pepper. Yeah. Juice of bell pepper.
1: Yeah, it's also interesting to me that we there's such a stigma to drinking like human milk after you're a baby, right? Mm-hmm. But that's actually what our bodies was were made to consume. We're going back to the dairy thing. So, um, not saying that I want to drink that at all because I'm totally on that that for you know that ship of I'm not drinking that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think about it, that's probably what we should be drinking as humans. So,
0: yeah. You know, <laughs> milk is for baby cows, not for humans. <laughs>
2: yes definitely
0: Mm
2: -hmm. awesome well that's
1: that's pretty cool that canada is uh using science and fact-based reasoning to
0: yeah well i mean those types of researchers you know they need money they need funding to do all that sort of research and lobbies groups and businesses are eager to get their stamp on things and they'll fund it so this time around it wasn't the case so it looks it looks completely different than the one that I grew up with, cool. which is great.
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, well, I can jump in and kind of talk about some of the... So I guess, first of all, if we say, take a step back and look at the way that we produce our food, um, humans are so disengaged from the process now, mostly. We don't really see where our food comes from. Or if we, if we go to, you know, the store and buy it, it looks completely different than it does before, you know, it gets to us. Um, so a lot of people are very, uh, desensitized, I guess, to what actually goes into that process. Um, and there's a big movement now to grow your own food and, um, you know, if you are going to eat meat, to eat meat that was raised more responsibly and ethically, and you know that the animals were treated well. um, And I think that's all great. But, you know, we still have to understand that everything we do has an impact. And um, I guess the only way not to have that impact as humans is not to eat, but that's not an option. So here we are. Um, But Just kind of taking a look at some of the uh, consequences of our current food production system. So I was researching um, the biggest, the big one that everyone thinks of, which is greenhouse gases. And, um, you know, there's really three big ones that are associated with food production, which is uh, carbon dioxide or CO2, methane and uh, nitrous oxide or NOx, which um, all are varying degrees of, um, abundant and potent. So I think carbon dioxide kind of gets the biggest, um, wrap, but because there's so much of it, um, but methane and nitrous oxide are actually more, you know, damaging to the environment or to the atmosphere, um, over the long run. And I think a lot of times we kind of forget that or only focus on the one when it's really, you know. Uh, there's a lot more to the picture um but just to kind of throw out some stats, and i don't want to make this like number heavy um but c o two this is all from the e p a website and it was all updated as of like twenty sixteen so you know the numbers are always a little behind but um eighty two percent of greenhouse gases from human activity um in the u s is c o two and the majority of that is actually from fossil fuel combustion, not from food production, um, which is what we're talking about today. Um, but when you look at, uh, you know, the transport of food and the removal of forest or other, you know, repurposing of land um, to become farmland or to be used for agriculture, that all kind of plays back into, you know, the the, the other stuff. So um, while Directly, it's not as um, – uh, food production doesn't cause as much CO2 as the other two gases. Um, indirectly, you know, those other things definitely have a cost. And um, it I was actually surprised to learn the website said in the U.S. since 1990, the management of forests and other land has actually acted as a net sink of CO2 um, in the U.S., uh, which means that more CO2 is removed from the atmosphere and stored in the plants and trees than is emitted, which is kind of, you know, good, th- promising. Um, that has that wasn't a statistic I had heard before. You always just hear about the bad, but globally <laughs> that's not the case. Um, so looking at methane, um, 10% in the U S of greenhouse gases is methane and, about 60% globally uh, methane emissions come from human activities like industry, agriculture, and waste management. And the majority of that is agriculture. So when you hear, um, you know, eating less meat or going vegetarian is, is a great way to reduce your carbon footprint or your, you know, go greener. Um, that's what they mean. It's actually helping to reduce um, not just carbon, but methane and all these other uh, potent gases. Um, the, in the U.S., natural gas and petroleum is the largest source of that, but uh, globally, you know, it's agriculture. And methane lasts in the atmosphere um, a shorter amount of time than CO2, but it's more efficient at trapping the radiation that causes, um, you know, global warming. So it's actually 25 times greater um, impact than, than carbon dioxide over a 100-year period. and it's kind of a lot, you know, that's that's a big deal. Um, and then the last one we talked about, nitrous oxide, um, 6% of greenhouse gases in the U.S. Uh, from human activity, um, but about 40% come from humans globally, and that's, again, agriculture and transport and other industry activities. Um, so in the U.S., agriculture soil management is the largest uh, source of, of NOx emissions and that's about 77% um, as of 2016. So again, uh, the molecules for these stay in the atmosphere longer, about 114 years, and then you know, they start to break down or get absorbed, but um, it's about 300 times more impactful than one pound of carbon dioxide. So um, yeah, anything you can do to reduce um, emissions at any stage of food production, is a big deal but um especially those those last two that we don't talk about as much cuz they you know CO2 gets all the the credit
2: <laughs> um well a couple of things came to mind when you were talking um so you mentioned like going vegetarian or vegan and that's kind of how this is relatable to the average person if you want to try to make a difference, um, you know, there's Meatless Monday, if that's just how you want to get started, baby steps. Um, or you can watch some documentaries, which will totally freak you out and not oh. eat meat for a long time. Make you like, cry. Yeah, I watched yeah. Uh, Food, ink and Forks Over Knives. And then, like, when you're on Netflix, it just keeps recommending, like, more and more and more. And before you yeah. know it, you've spiraled out of control. But it is... That is something I wanted to touch on is, you know, even if all this climate change talk or, you know, greenhouse gas emissions conversation doesn't really engage you, um, seeing the images of how animals are treated and, um, you know, what we have to do in order to feed the masses, this amount of protein, it makes you rethink, well, maybe I can have some chickpeas or, you know, a protein powder that's not animal-based, you know, whey protein or something like that. So I've been doing a lot of um, research into, like, the protein powders that taste good that are based off of pea protein or hemp protein um, because, you know, the milk tastes better, right? Like, the whey protein powders taste better. But again, this is just kind of making it relatable to someone who doesn't really know, like, where to get started. It's just kind of substituting... Maybe instead of having sausage or bacon for breakfast, like you could just have a smoothie with protein powder in it or oatmeal with some peanut butter. So a lot of people are always freaked out. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. A lot of people get freaked (laughs) out because they're just like, where are you going to get your protein? Like how do vegans, you know, survive? And, you know, there's like pro football players that are vegan and they're very muscular. So. Anyways, I guess that was my two cents on production yeah. and understanding all that.
1: It's a great point because um I know we're focusing more on like the environmental impacts, but a lot of people are vegetarian and vegan for the animal cruelty um mm-hmm. aspect and that's absolutely, you know, a valid reason as well. And I mean, probably that's probably the more traditional reason that people, you know, choose those um diets so
2: I had a co-worker the other day who mentioned that she has cows on her estate or something. Like her children, you know, help raise these cows and she has to keep telling her kids like, Oh, that hamburger comes from ATV. <laughs> you know, like she can't bring oh. herself to tell them. Oh, that it comes from these cows oh, there. there was <laughs> ran away. I mean, it made me like smile, but at the same time, I'm like, this is, this is like, this is how everyone lives for the most part. Like, they have no clue where their food comes from. Like, if I physically and, couldn't go in the backyard and wring a chicken's neck and cut its head off and de feather it to put it on the, you know, table for my family to eat, then I'm just like, I shouldn't be eating chicken. Like, if I physically couldn't bring myself to do it, like, I mean, there are people out there that don't even care. Like, this is how they live. This is how they survive. And it's not that they don't care. It's just the reality of their existence. You know, like, you have to survive off of the land. But we're not, most of us are not in that situation anymore. We can go to multiple grocery stores that have all different varieties. We're not in survival mode anymore. Like, we're not hunter and gatherers. So you don't have to eat meat all the time.
0: To live. There, yeah, there was this one, um, he was a documentarian and kind of a survivalist. So when he was at home in his regular surroundings, he was vegan. Him and his partner were vegan. But when he would go on these expeditions and do these, um, documentaries, it was just him and, and his tripod. So he was out in the middle of nowhere with nobody around and he would eat meat, like he, but he would catch it himself. He would kill, he would do whatever defeathering feathering and de-gutting you have to do. But that was the only time he ever do it because he needed it to survive because it was basically just him, the clothes he had on his back and some survival gear and that was it. So those who, with that kind of thing, if you're living off your land, then that's, you know, I feel like you're right to do so. But going into a supermarket and seeing rows and rows and rows of just meat, you get detached and you don't, it doesn't resonate at all.
2: Yeah, I really think people need to watch, like, these documentaries, like, once a month to just, like, constantly <laughs> remind yourself because, like, yeah. you forget. Like, it's been years since I've seen those movies, you know, and I'm just, like, constantly... You get desensitized, like you mentioned yeah. before. And, yeah, right after you watch one of those documentaries and you have those visual images, like, fresh in your head, the minute you start walking down the aisle at the grocery store and you hit, like, the meat and the chicken, you're like, whoa. <laughs> like, <laughs> Run for your life. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I went to the grocery store on Sunday. And yeah, I like didn't buy any protein, like meat protein at all. Like I literally was looking at it and I was like, all I can see is gas chambers and slaughterhouses and like cows and pigs like basically crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I can't (laughs) do it. But Chen's in the
0: corner of the grocery store crying.
2: (laughs) But I did buy a lot of really yummy, like new ingredients. So it got me to change, you know, your typical, you're used to buying like the same stuff over and over again, you
0: know, like you do get in the way. So
2: it forced me to like try different grocery stores, try different ingredients, look up different recipes. I have a ton of like vegan and vegetarian cookbooks that I'm trying to pull out, you know, and (laughs) Mm -hmm. just try different things. my husband's actually getting on board, and I thought that would never happen. Like, he's from <laughs> Texas, <laughs> you know, born and raised. And I'm, have you, you
1: tricked know. him yet, and been like, "Here, try this pie," and not told him that it was like <laughs>
2: vegan or
1: made with beans or something?
2: No, no. <laughs> he's on board though. Like, he's 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 actually. I think baby steps for him is like we're gonna just try like pescatarian dishes when we do eat meat. Um you know, just make sure it's not, like, farm-raised. Do you want to make sure, it, and, it, and if it is farm-raised, that it's sustainably farm-raised? You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of, like, if you go to Whole Foods, um, it's just hard for a lot of people, but they have a listing of, you know, where it came from and if it's been harvested sustainably or not, and they have, like, a rating system for all of their meats, chicken, beef, seafood. Um, so that makes it really easy for the consumer to understand. If you go to natural grocers, They, like, already do all that work for you. Like, the stuff doesn't even exist in their store if it's been, like, um, produced in a way that's not humane or unsustainable. Like, they took um, a certain, like, ice cream off of their shelves. And my husband and I were like, where did it go? This was the best ice cream ever. And they were like, oh, you know, we just created this new policy where we're not going to have any dairy products where the cows – are you know stuck in those cages and they're just constantly producing milk and they're being pumped full of hormones um Aww. so it's just good to know that it takes like the guessing game out of your shopping experience because you can go to a store like natural grocers and they've already kind of like done that for you like you can just buy what you need and get out the door instead of having to like stare at everything and research it on your own time
1: yeah it's really great now that we have the options to They they kind of dumb it down for us, but that's what we need. I think a lot of people that don't have time or energy to to research it, just let me know that everything in this store or on this aisle is, you know, sustainable, blah, blah, blah. And that's where I'll go. Um, This reminds me, have you, you guys watched Portlandia? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The very first episode where, so they go, this couple's eating at a restaurant And they ask, um, can you tell me more about the chicken? And the waitress brings a book over, and she's like, this is Colin, and it's a picture of the chicken raised on a diet of blah, 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 blah. And um, they they start asking all these ridiculous questions, and they're like, well, he's at a farm, you know, he was at a farm down the street, and they're like, you know what, we're just going to go check it out. And they go, like, to the farm. They they say, hold our seats. And they end up, like, joining a cult at the farm, (laughs) staying for five years, and then coming back, and their seat's still available, of course. But like, it's the most ridiculous but funny, you know, food source experience experience ever. Um,
2: yeah, kind I of watched that, that episode. I was dying laughing. <laughs> They're just like, well, was out. he happy when he died? Like, did he have a good death? You know.
1: <laughs> but, what was? Yeah. What were his sleeping conditions? And what were his friends like?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah.
0: But there are people that go that far, so. I feel like now that we've been eating plant based for almost six months, that would be me. I like I'd have to go and like, make sure that everything's okay, and I I probably wouldn't even I couldn't I couldn't eat it. No, no, I've seen the face. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I
2: definitely feel like that right now. Like I'm just being a lot more cautious of what I'm buying and what Mm -hmm. I feel like I want to put in my body to like energize me. You know, you know, you don't feel good after you've eaten a big greasy burger. Like you feel
0: gross and you just want
2: to curl in a ball.
0: Yeah. I just want to say that we're very lucky to be able to talk about this, that we have, that we can choose and that we can, we have, we're privileged enough to be able to say yes and no. And, um, to foods that we don't want to eat and choose not to eat. Um, I know there's a lot of talk that I've heard on um, the Instagrams that I follow about um, just acknowledging that the privilege and the ability that we have to make these choices, and that for a lot of people, this isn't um, part of their everyday, that they're stuck with what's ever available to them for the price range that it's available. Because I know growing up, um, we couldn't afford the healthy food, we couldn't afford. Name brand anything, and going to a natural grocer was completely out of the question. It was either we're eating this, kids, or the hydro goes off. You're which one do you want to do? So, yeah, we're very lucky to we we'll to be able to. We've worked on it like ramen, and hamburger helper. I think. Yeah, hamburger helper. Yep, yeah. a lot of craft dinner.
2: <laughs> that actually makes me think about um, the price per like gram of protein. Mm -hmm. So instead of paying for, you know, I don't know, let's say you're a hamburger helper, like the the protein you're gonna buy is like five bucks or something. The amount of stuff you could buy that's the same amount of protein is actually a lot cheaper. Like you can buy a bag of beans for like a dollar and it has just as much protein in it as like that pound of beef that you're gonna buy. So um so yeah, I just wanted to be like considerate of your comment as well. It's just I think People seem to think they have to go to fast food because it's cheap. And, um, and sometimes like, you know, that's the only place they can go yeah. to,
0: though, too. Yeah. I um, didn't know about food deserts till I think, last year. I had no idea those existed. And I just kind of blew my mind because I've grown up and lived in agricultural town, Ontario, my whole life. So to know that yeah. there are places that that just is not a possibility kind of blew my mind. What's a
1: food desert, Chris, for our listeners?
0: Oh, <laughs> Food no. desert is an area, usually in urban places, uh, where there is no fresh produce. Um, everything's canned, preserved, convenience foods, uh, and the only places you actually can go to eat are convenience stores or buying your food from a uh, Burger King or McDonald's because it's actually cheaper to eat it that way because the infrastructure for grocers is not there.
2: But don't we have, yeah. like, public transportation where they can go to, like, a grocery store? I don't know if I'm being ignorant on this situation, but...
1: I think it I'm, depends on the city because, like, yeah. here in Columbia, you know, we don't have... We have the hop with very limited lines and very, you know, uh, the routes are not always great or they don't run very often, so... I think it depends on that and your work schedule and, mm-hmm. yeah, go. I, so, I think the key thing with food deserts though is that you have to, you, it's in your neighborhood or it's walkable, yeah. right? It's, it's close enough that you don't have to take a car. Um, mm-hmm. if you have to drive, then it's, yeah, which that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cities have good public transit, but smaller towns or places like this, mid don't always. So.
0: Yeah. We have none, <laughs> or we are. We have none. You have to drive everywhere.
1: You have horses and no. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: actually, there is big Mennonite community here, big Amish community, so there's a lot of horses.
2: Oh, cool. I think we're going to have Michelle on the next episode. She's going to talk about composting, but she's also really good at planting, like growing your own food. And so mm-hmm. I know if you live in an apartment, um, like There's ways of building, like, vertical gardens in your little, like, patio yeah. that you might have in your apartment. Um, so that might be the solution to the problem is it's very, very cheap to buy seed and plant it in a potted plant on your, on your patio mm-hmm. if you don't have a backyard and that kind of thing.
0: Also, education, just educating people, like, in public schools, just get it in from the get-go that this is part of, like... Um, Part of your curriculum, I think, would be a pretty good way to ingrain it because I—I I mean, we didn't grow up learning any of that. No life skills, yes. just play yeah. yeah. Green Theorem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> kind of pulls a lot of the the basic home skills out of school. Um, Jen, your comment made me think of uh, you know other creative ways people can kind of grow their own food or get access to fresh food. If they don't have something, they can buy it someplace. They can buy it. Um, a lot of places are starting community gardens now. Mm-hmm. and If you don't have one in your community, you might consider doing that yourself. Um, they're really great. You just find a plot of land or make a raised bed and, um, you know, whoever wants to put to plant or take from it, it has to, you know, contribute so many hours or, has to maintain their little plot. Um that's a really cool way and and there's also uh organizations out there that are pushing for more front yard gardens. Um so there used to be a lot of those back in the day and I know in Austin the um Green Corn Harvest, I think is the name or Blue Corn Harvest or something. It it's a nonprofit that specifically tries to get more gardens in cities and older neighborhoods or you know poor neighborhoods, so There's a lot of great organizations out there if you're Mm -hmm. interested, just, you know, look stuff up.
2: Yeah, Um, it's almost like worrying about climate change is kind of like first world problems, right? Like the majority mm -hmm. of people that are struggling to just pay the bills, like climate change and worrying about these types of things doesn't always take priority. And so... Yeah. I think it's important for us to acknowledge. Like, I'm glad that you made this comment because it's getting me to think, like, in a different mindset right now. That although these major global issues may not be something that, you know, is of main concern for the majority of the population or even the world population because they are just trying to survive and get clean water. um, I think that. What what they could take away from these conversations is that it actually does save you money by doing things differently sometimes. So if you add up, you know, how much money you're spending going to Taco Bell or McDonald's or, you know, those convenience foods, um, you actually can save a lot more money. And any of these topics we've had on any of these podcasts. All of them have a similar thread, which is if you do things that are more sustainable for the planet and for your family, it actually does save you money. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though we're all in different like socioeconomic stages and stuff, it's, it's important to know that we're not just kind of like these girls on this podcast trying yeah. to be like, save the world, everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you um, can do it.
2: You know, it's more like this is the take home is doing these things helps. Yes, it helps everyone. It helps the planet, but it also helps you.
0: Yeah, and the underlying message is things like minimalism, things like um, sustainability. It does it help the bottom line. It's not some radical way of living and trying to be a jerk about things. It's It does save you a lot of money and in turn. And it, the great byproduct of that is that you're helping the environment. My sister was like, she's like, Chris, you'll be proud of me. I, we don't use the dryer anymore during the day. We, like all these things. She shuts lights off now and stuff like that because they were trying to save money on their electrical and gas bill. And I didn't, you know, I was, I wasn't going to be like, and you're saving the environment too. But she was so happy that her hydro bill and her gas bill went down by like a hundred bucks that month that she was just, she keeps it up now. Just, that's awesome. Yeah. But she does, it's not because of the environment because of her because of the money that they're saving, so if that's the motivation, then that's great
1: yeah, yeah, that's a definitely a great point. We have to be cognizant of everyone's coming from a different experience, and um it it may not be the top priority, but definitely economics is in our favor on this stuff so yeah um and, and unfortunately, the people affected the most by climate change are the the poorest or the most you know. The people who can't do anything about it. The ones that are just trying to survive. And, yeah. And that, that is, we're causing it, and third world countries are, you know, yeah. taking front of, of the consequences. So, yeah. Well, um, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? Um, we've touched on kind of a, a lot, and I know everyone kind of researched some for this show, um, but. We're just kind of throwing out, you know, um, different things that, that come to mind. Um, I have an interesting, uh, thread that, so I made a post today on, on social media and asked, you know, what do you think is, is the biggest consequence or one of them of, of our food production system? And, um, someone commented, uh, Resistant overcoming resistance to GMOs because, um, so this is going to be kind of a controversial topic, probably, but, um, because there's a big, you know, debate out there are GMOs bad for us? Are they, you know, should we be banning them or should we be embracing them? Um, and science actually tells us that, you know, we need GMOs to feed a growing world, growing population, but there are also some studies that show. There could be health side effects to a lot of the things that we do to our food. So um, I thought that was an interesting comment because I hadn't even thought of that. But, but really, you know, the way we grow food is so heavily influenced by those practices. And I'm interested to hear what you guys think about
2: that. Um, personally, I'm kind of against GMOs. And by kind of, I mean, like, I really don't like them. (laughs) Um, I just don't think you should mess with nature like that. Like, it concerns me that we're genetically modifying a seed so that it can become resistant to Roundup that we spray all over our crops to keep it from, you know, being depleted by some sort of insect or fungus, which I understand, like. Yeah, we have to feed people and this is the reality that we live in like we're 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 already overpopulated as a world and so this is just kind of like what we have to do but I don't know, I think I just go back to like grow your own food. <laughs> like if everyone just had like some pots outside wherever they live, you know, get some sunshine and some water on it and like that's really it. Like I don't know. I I I can't support the GMO even though I know There is a lot of debate going back and forth about it. I just think that your body maybe isn't, like, going to do well with that over the long term. I think, you know, there's things like cancers that can be linked with a lot of these pesticides and things that are being sprayed on our food. Um, And then, yeah, the GMO side of things as well. Like maybe... Your body just can't identify what it is at some point, <laughs> you can't digest it properly. We're all going to be full of inflammation.
0: <laughs> Walking a lot bodies of, of information.
1: Are, <laughs> a lot of the foods we already eat are genetically modified in some way, mm-hmm. um, and we don't realize it. You know, like we probably wouldn't recognize corn and bananas and a lot of fruits and veggies that we eat today uh, from what the They came from um so i know that a a lot of us are are, have been eating that stuff our whole lives and not even realizing it but it's really come to the forefront the last few years and you know i I don't know i'm still i'm kind of on the fence because i see the science behind it and i see the need for it but i also know that we wouldn't need it if we didn't like you said um use pesticides herbicides all the asides yeah yeah i'm on the fence
2: too Part of the problem is that we've gone to these mass production farms. Like it never used to be like this. I'm not never, but you know, before industrial revolution and all that. Um, I mean, you basically, everyone had a farm. We all had to survive that way. Or you just did hunting and gathering and you were like a nomad or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess when we started creating these mass, mass farms, you know we lost control of our our food and how how it's created and um i don't want to be eating pesticides i mean it's covered in all these foods so if, and even when you buy organic like you don't know how close the organic field was to the non-organic field and you get overspray and groundwater that spreads to it even though they're doing their best to not you know actually spray it with these chemicals but um but yeah, I mean, I I think I've mentioned it before. I try to buy organic as much as possible, which it is a little bit more expensive. But if that means I don't get cancer someday, then I think it's worth it. Or I grow my own food, if I. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if I can. There's a really great docu series on uh, Netflix called Rotten, and it's I think about six. Episodes, wait a minute, what is it? Six episodes, yes. So, in it talks about how the food industry's kind of gotten away from the consumer and the sort of um mob like antics that go on behind the scenes. Um, there's one about fisheries, peanuts, garlic, Gar the garlic one threw me because China's involved on that one, and that was just it's like espionage type stuff. Uh, honey. Chicken, milk, uh, specifically raw milk, and the laws, um, and this is all United States uh, information. It's a United States docu-series. So the milk one, the raw milk, the laws, I guess there's 11 states that allow raw milk um, and all of that and the benefits and whatever. And yeah, and then COD and the uh, quotas and how one guy kind of bought up all the quotas and now they're these people have lost their livelihood because of they're trying to make it a free market, but it kind of didn't work out, but it's a really great series and it's very uh, kind of, it's very um, compelling to watch how, you know, you take for granted buying a jar of honey off the shelf, not realizing that there's this massive industry behind it. And a lot of shady crap goes down.
2: There's like, Sugar in it instead of like actual honey. It's not even honey, like yeah, and it's corn. Like it's just corn syrup, corn syrup that's been dyed. Yeah,
0: yeah, because there's something like there's no way that the that the honeybees we have on the planet can actually produce the amount of honey that's being bought consumed. Something like that.
2: Yeah, you have to really like read the ingredient list on everything if you're buying like packaged foods of any sort. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to GMOs really quick. I think like the original yeah. debate about you know, we, we don't have enough land and we don't create enough. We wouldn't be able to create enough food unless we had GMOs. The reality is, is the system is broken. like 31% Mm -hmm. of just tomatoes, 31% of just tomatoes that are purchased that end up in your house get thrown away. Yeah. That doesn't even include all the ones that don't get purchased and get thrown away at the grocery store or the ones that, You know, don't make it to the grocery store because they're not the right size or whatever. Um, So, as an industry, we basically, this is all from the EPA website. um, So, $2.3 billion is wasted just on tomatoes. And overall, $166 billion is food waste. It's all food waste that just gets, like, produced and thrown away. And that's all money that's being, like, subsidized to farmers so that they can continue their lifestyle um so just kind of like let that sink in like if we're if we're creating all this you know land and we're using all this water to create all this food like there's plenty of food yeah <laughs> like we don't we have need gmos we're just the way that we're doing things isn't gonna work and so they're trying yeah. to use gmos as a reason to you know, say we need to have them and we really don't. And it's just like some big conspiracy theory <laughs> or roundup.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I read something. There's a really great term that I found called, what's it called? Oh, where is it? I wrote it down. Um, It's like camera cuisine. So it's the idea that, because there are a lot of, um, Regulations and a lot of specifications that food produce has to go through before it even reaches the grocer, right? And if something doesn't pass, then it's just left in the field to rot. And it's, I'm, I'm sure it's heartbreaking for the farmer who spent a lot of time and energy to grow all of that. And, you know, 31% of it just goes to crap because it didn't meet the beauty specifications of the grocer. And in turn, with us as the consumers, we've never seen a wonky looking tomato or banana or whatever and so we don't know that if we see something like that that it's okay to eat right we just assume it's this lovely round plump red looking thing when they take on many shapes and forms and we've just sort of been yeah kind of uh, blindfolded as to what it it is so
1: the food waste problem in this country in the world probably is out of control but um there are some some organizations that are, you know, trying to either minimize uh, the amount of ugly produce or find uses for it. So there's a company called Imperfect Produce that um, actually takes all the ugly stuff and you can subscribe and they'll send you a box. And uh, unfortunately, they aren't here um, where I live, but I've been on their waiting list for a while. Um, but I know that things like that are popping up all over. And there's also some... You know, restaurants and and juice bars and stuff like that that will take, you know, either the the discarded stuff that's not um, pretty enough for the shelves or the stuff that's left over after they do whatever to it. So, sometimes you can only use a certain part of a plant, but the rest of it's perfectly fine. They just don't get used. So, um, there are, you know, some people doing some things in that area. We definitely need more of that, and we definitely need to, like, lower our standards for... Picture perfect produce, mm-hmm. like you said, because it tastes the same. It just, you know, I've I've gotten stuff from people's gardens that look a little funny, but you know, tastes just fine.
0: I like the That's pictures good. of the carrots, all the <laughs> different types of carrots and stuff, and they're like some of them look like their legs are crossed and stuff. Oh, yeah, cute, yeah, oh. so I think
2: There is a, I think there is a food co op that can deliver to your door in you all's area in Colleen, and I think they probably exist in most you know major areas so that's an option and if you don't know of one a good place to go is any local farmers market you can talk to the farmers if one doesn't exist you could probably get one created with some of your neighbors um, but that again back to the original conversation about greenhouse gases I think that buying local supporting farmers locally growing your own food I mean, that's how we're going to solve a lot of these issues is figuring out how to, you know, maybe not always support the major grocery stores or Walmarts of the world. And, you know, maybe start taking control of your own food that you put in your Mm -hmm. body.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And not only are there um, environmental consequences to that, to to not buying local, but um, you're supporting your local economy. And, you know, that in itself is is a huge thing if you're not inspired by the environmental stuff. But also um, there's there are a lot of health benefits to buying stuff that's grown in your region. Um, you know, you hear a lot about local honey helps you build up immunities to different allergies, local allergies. Um, but I would think the same goes for the food that you eat, you know, because it's produced near where you live. and um, yeah, and the benefits are just endless to buying local. and Also, then it's fresher, right? So you don't need yeah. the preservatives and you don't need the wax on the apples and all this stuff. You guys used to do that, like scratch the the wax off the apples
0: when you were a kid? It's so gross. <laughs>
2: so I wanted to try uh, know- to make – oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, here in Canada, apple uh, bananas have surpassed Local apples in uh, popularity here, so because they're cheaper, even though they get shipped from tropical zones up to our frigid (laughs) wasteland up here. Yeah, and that's a problem too, is because the bananas are like I think it's like eighty-eight cents a pound, but local local apples are a dollar. I think I bought some today for a dollar twenty-seven a pound. Oh, which sucks. That totally sucks. Yeah. But that's how broken the food system is.
2: Well, I have some more statistics if that interests anyone. But um, basically, like 40% of food that is grown and produced, you know, as far as produce is concerned, is wasted and thrown out. And the majority of that, in fact, like one third of all food produced is thrown into landfills. Mm -hmm. So. Just keep that in mind. And I I guess the take home again is to just plan a little bit better, um, shop a little bit smarter. Think ahead when you're, you know, making your grocery list or your food prepping and just make sure it's food that you really want to eat. Like I know sometimes I'll prepare a massive bowl of soup and it's just like me and my husband. And after like day five, he's like, no more soup. (laughs) So, you know, I give it to coworkers, you know what I mean? Like you can give it to friends and neighbors and, you know, share and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I know we're all kind of guilty of letting the food maybe get bad. (laughs) Unfortunately, sometimes it gets wasted in your home. So, um, the way to do to get around that is um, try things like Sunbasket or what's the HelloFresh or you know if you if you don't have time and you have the money to spend on it like those those services actually don't you know allows you to like not waste any of your food I guess cuz it just shows up in the exact amount that you need so that you're not wasting like half of an onion or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's just a thought I'd throw it out there. So if you can just plan ahead and um, do your best job at not wasting the food, then maybe we can help solve some of these problems.
1: Yep, definitely. Food waste in the house is is probably just, it's out of control. I know in most households and restaurants, God, restaurants are the worst. Mm-hmm. But, oh, I've worked in in one and, yeah. It made me sick, the amount of stuff we threw out. Yeah. Again,
2: because it's
0: the – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jen.
2: I was just going to say, one thing that's been helping me is, like, sometimes my coworkers will be like, oh, let's go out to eat, you know? And I'm like, oh, I already have, like, my lunch planned. You know, like, I brought it, and it's in the fridge, and I'm going to eat it. But, you know, every once in a while, you kind of get, like, pulled in, and you want to, you know, go out with your coworkers. And so I've just been kind of planning to have smoothies for lunches now Um, because it's all, like, frozen. Like, the fruits and vegetables are already frozen, and the protein powder, you know, stays in the refrigerator. So nothing's really, like, getting wasted or not, you know, getting consumed, and it can just stay preserved in a way. So, um, and it's healthier. (laughs) So that's just an option if people are trying to, like, figure out how to navigate this. There's also a
1: great documentary out. Uh, It was actually the last one that Anthony Bourdain did called Wasted. Um, And it looks at food waste around the world. And a lot of the stuff we've talked about, like, you know, ugly produce and just how much people throw away. But it also talks about like meat and the parts of animals that aren't traditionally eaten and just get discarded. And it really grossed me out to see some of the things they were eating because I just can't do that. But uh, I definitely give them kudos for not wasting any part of those those animals. So it's a really good watch if you're interested in that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, that man would eat anything, that's for sure. Okay. Sure would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um what else do you guys want to
1: talk about with relation to the food system and just
2: um I was just gonna throw out there a segue into next uh, our next episode is composting of food waste. If you actually, you know, do grow your own food or you just have food waste, um, composting at your home is always an option because not a lot of cities offer compost curbside collection. Um, so Michelle's going to talk to us about her composting program and the clean area And she basically goes door to door and collects buckets of food waste and brings them to a local farm. So you'll get to hear about that next. But if you're not in that area and you're just at your own home, um, you can compost just using some simple, you know, wire. Um, You can throw in some leaves, grass clippings, and those types of things. So we'll go into more detail on composting in the next episode. Um, So just stay tuned for that. Absolutely. It's
1: not as uh, intimidating as as it sounds. I've been doing it for a few years, and I'm not the best at it, but, I mean, if you have a little bit of land, you just throw stuff on it in a pile. Um,
0: awesome. Anything else you guys want to touch on that we didn't already discuss? Uh, there's two documentaries that I found. One's Canadian and one's um, from the U.S., um, the one from Canada is called Just Eat It, and it's from 2014. It's a, a Canadian couple. They're filmmakers, uh, and they're based in um, British Columbia, Vancouver. And just so it's sort of specific to that province. Um, but they do a year-long experiment of um, foraging. They do some dumpster diving uh they go to grocery stores and ask what uh if there's any produce or things that are going to be culled uh and things like that and the the gentleman in it he he wound up gaining like over 10 pounds because he'd see these tubs of yogurt that were in the dumpster that were perfectly good so he'd take home like five or six of them because he was just like oh it's going to waste but he so he was eating a lot of unfortunately he was eating a lot of processed food and during this documentary but he just seeing the amount of waste was just yeah he gained a lot of weight and then the other one is called sustainable uh it's from 2016 i believe it's on netflix i haven't seen this one but i do know it is about um food waste and the food production system
1: you said the first one was called just eat it
0: just eat it yeah and they're really cute couple they did another one um in 2010 on uh no, 2012 um, on uh, zero waste. I did a year yeah. long. Um, not to be confused with Weird Al's hit "Just Eat It." Not, no. Weird Al, not, yeah, Weird Al did not. Yeah, Weird did have anything to do with this documentary. <laughs> didn't <hear> that documentary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the only other things I was going to touch on um, that we we sort of skirted around, um, but not didn't delve into um, is. The I guess the resources that get affected by the way we grow our food so waterways um, that get contaminated or get really abused um, because they you know get diverted or sucked dry um, in order to water over water these crops that shouldn't be growing in certain areas <laughs> and um, and and then just run off from the chemicals you know in the in the, the ground that, that are supposedly needed to grow these plants so um those are huge issues and you know those are things that directly affect people's health and you can't drink the water if it's contaminated or you can't you know grow in land that's been over fertilized for so long or whatever um and and then the other thing i was going to touch on was just you know deforestation um to grow more plants is a huge issue and um specifically in in a lot of you know developing countries they'll just clear cut some forests some rainforest in order to grow more of whatever and um not only does that you know remove those carbon sinks um but also just depletes the natural resources and ecosystems of the animals that live there so um those are all things you know to keep in mind um when you hear about you know these things grown all over the world and and yeah we want to we want a variety of foods but we want to be smart about you know what we're growing where and do we need to be growing something in that region that isn't native to there? that kind of thing mm-hmm.
2: yeah i you think, think I anyone that um it's like 25 percent of the fresh water that's used in the world gets wasted when we with all of this food waste so basically we we calculated you know how much water it took to grow all of the food, right? And then a certain amount of that food gets thrown away. So it's like all that water that was used to grow that food is actually now just like kind of a waste, even though it goes, you know, back into the water cycle in a way that's still fresh water that could have been, you know, consumed by humans that maybe have issues with getting fresh water.
1: Fresh water is not a completely infinitely renewable resource. I mean, we're, using it up faster than we can really replenish it, especially when you think about how we're polluting the air and, you know, it's getting contaminated with salt water and all that. So uh, wasting water is, is
2: a really bad thing. I know in Texas, like oh, there's a lot of agriculture that's based off of like wells. So they have to dig into the aquifers, into the ground. And so they're basically depleting the, the fresh water source for human consumption by you know, trying to keep all these plants, you know, and grow all these plants that actually end up just kind of getting wasted. So, yeah, we have a lot of problems in this world, ladies. And I don't know if we're <laughs> going to solve it all tonight, but I think just awareness <laughs> and education is what this is all about, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. It's, this yeah. is why I feel extreme guilt when I see food wasted. Or I was at an event the other night and I took home four giant pans of food because I was like, I can't let that go in the trash. And now I have to eat it all like the guy with the yogurt containers <laughs> or freeze it.
2: <laughs> bring it to just work. Like, Feed your coworkers. I did. <laughs> the thing
1: is they don't eat it. Like we get so much food at my job and it just sits in the fridge all week and then gets tossed at the end of the week if I don't, you know, continuously either remind people or guilt them. In the I tent- was always
2: yeah. the person that like would pull the food out, put it on you know, a plate or a napkin and, like, hand it to them. Like, I would, like, walk around the office and be like, eat this, here's your lunch. Like, I was, like, the waitress of the office. <laughs> it's the only way to get him to, like, get out of your chair. He'd be, like, crying. <laughs> I know. Well, because even if I took it out of the fridge and put it on the, like, table, like, people never even, like, make their way into the kitchen for the whole day. So I'm just, like, do 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 here, have some banana. Worry, <laughs> like I'd hand out like fruits and vegetables.
0: <laughs> Ray has the opposite problem at his work. We call them the vultures because he'll send the, he'll set something down on the break room table and it's gone it's by gone. the time he comes back. It's gone. <laughs> People are vultures. <laughs>
2: That's, That's true. I guess it depends on where you work because my husband works at the hospital and like gotten white in temple and he's just like everyone has to put their name and date. And,
0: it, you know, so if oh, you yeah. don't,
2: someone will steal it <laughs> or they'll yep. get thrown away <laughs> if you forget about
0: it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's like his at work because there's, yeah, vultures. That's where all our ha- Halloween candy that we don't like goes.
1: <laughs> so many people have, like, I don't know, this violent opposition to eating leftovers, though. They're just like, nope. I of- used to and I'm like, yeah. you know what? I force myself to, and, and I may hate it the second time around, but I, my, I just my guilt, I can't. No, I used to. I grew
0: up with a mom who thought it was disgusting. For as poor as we were, <laughs> she wouldn't oh. eat leftovers, and I didn't. I wouldn't eat leftovers for the longest time. But since uh, we started eating plant based, it's like, nope. Guess what Sunday nights left overnight. Everybody, we're just gonna eat the rest of this chili and the soup and whatever freaking patty I made. This is what's for dinner.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess that's um, just how we like. Some people were raised, you yeah, know, differently. But I'm like, how? When did I cook this Sunday? Yeah. That was like six days ago. It should be good. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I go by the one week rule usually. Like, I just smell it. I try to eat it. Can,
1: yeah, the, and yeah then i smell I it smell and it. Like, do the mold check. It like
2: it's turned and that's the bad sign yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh my husband pulled my out milk like, some cubes of, he, he pulled out some cubes of cheese the other day and i was like i think there's like some furry white like fungus growing on there did he cut like, it off he's like it's cheese like it's fine he just like brushed it <laughs> off yeah he's like it, it is fungus, fungus. <laughs> <laughs> It was hilarious. Yeah, I've had
1: things but I'm like, this is definitely growing penicillin, not
2: easy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I left uh what did I do? I left some bread at the back of the bread box that's in our pantry and I forgot about it and then I cleaned things out and I'm like, This is hot. Like this has heat to it. I have to throw it out no, the like a second. Humphrey spin yeah. it goes. It was it'd been there for a while.
1: There's some things oh. that get so rancid that I'm like, I'm not even going to try to take you out of the bag to clean the bag because Mm-mm. I feel like it's toxic. And that kills me that if it's a plastic or, you know, but yeah, yeah, that, that's when you know it's
2: bad. Well, yeah. I know we might be running low on time, but I wanted to throw out there. There's some, like, websites you can go to on how to preserve your food a little bit better. Like, there's certain things that, like, produce especially, I know we all buy, like, berries, and then it's like – Before you know it, it's day two and there's molds all over them or something. Like there's there's things you can do to prepare and store your produce in the refrigerator properly so that it lasts longer. It's not just like keeping it in that plastic bag if you have all those and kind of like throwing it in the crisper drawer of your fridge. So just like Google that and that might help like keep some of your food last longer. Like I know like for example, like cilantro, parsley, you can kind of like cut the stems a little bit and like put them in a glass of water in the refrigerator and that'll help them stay alive a lot longer.
0: It works for broccoli as well. Huh. The broccoli in there and carrots.
1: And some of those foods you can yeah. actually grow new ones from the scraps like carrots yeah. and onions. I've done it with green onions, um which is kinda and cool. Is that, yeah, I don't eat celery but not um, I don't like but either. I've just seen it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, um, so hopefully the stuff we've talked about has been helpful and um, we don't want to be all doom and gloom, but we do want to impress the importance of the issues and just kind of give you an idea of why when people say, you know, don't waste your food or um, don't buy this or that or, or look for certain things, um, why, why we say that, um, because there usually is a very good environmental reason for that. So let's move on to our life, green life hacks. Um, I'm super excited about mine. So I've actually had this for a few months. It was a Christmas present from Stefan's wife. Um, So I'm a little bummed that he can't see this, but, uh, well, he and his wife, but this is our first officially logoed item. If you guys can't see. Oh. It's a bamboo cutting board with a sustainable geeky logo on it. And so, yeah, Yay. I've been sitting on this since Christmas. That's <laughs> um, amazing. Since this is our food episode. I thought it was the perfect one to bust it out. Um, That's so, so it's bamboo.
2: Wasn't cool. oh, it great? I'm kind of jealous. Like, why did
1: yeah. you Yeah. <laughs> I thought <laughs> awesome. Because she's, you know, my friend, and she thought, what can I get her? And she ended up like, She's the sweetest person ever. They asked for the logo, and I thought something was up. But then she gave all of us cutting boards, a group of us, um, and this had my logo on it. And I was just, like, so touched. Um, I'm not even using it right now. It's just for display. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's our first logoed item. And it's bamboo, so it's renewable, uh, sustainable. And bamboo is, you know, great for a ton of things. But, yeah, I thought you guys would like that. So who wants to go next?
2: (laughs) I'll go. Okay, so this is my. I don't know. I, instead of buying cellophane or like cling wrap, um, which just gets thrown away, these are just like little lids that are dishwasher safe and microwave safe. Uh, the brand, I mean, I'm sure there's tons out there, but this is just called Mod Family. Um, and they come in all different sizes. So whenever I like, don't have a lid to something like you're going to a party and you've got like your vegetable platter, you know, like everybody kind of shows up with like it all pretty and it's covered in cellophane. Um, so yeah, I use these instead. So this is my, my hack that I will share with you. And I think I bought these on Amazon or something and they're super cheap. But yeah, there was like 10 of them and they're all like big to small, like different sizes. That's awesome. all I got. Oh, uh, cool. one more. So instead of buying, um, like, you know, you can buy, like, salt, pepper, different herbs and stuff, like, at the grocery store that are in, like, those glass or plastic little, like, shakers, um, mm-hmm. I just go to the bulk section, and um, I bring these with me whenever these are empty, This is my turmeric, and okay. uh, we have talked about this before with my mason jars with, like, the nuts and seeds and stuff, but this is for, like, I use these for my different herbs and whatnot so uh yeah i have a i have a bunch of all of these all in the kitchen instead of like just constantly buying those
0: like pre-packaged ones They're it's possible. cheaper too to buy them that way way so cheaper. much cheaper yes. so i bought salt today for 23 cents 23 yes. cents yes it's gonna last for a while too way cheaper to buy them in in, in bulk than in those glass jar thickies yep All right, my green hack. Okay, so I don't have it. It's uh what Jennifer was saying, um making um making shopping lists, grocery shopping lists. If you make a list, you are more likely to stick to it and menu planning. I personally have to confess I really like grocery shopping. I don't like shopping for anything else. Just really like grocery shopping. So for me, it's fun. I like making my grocery list. I will go to eight different stores if I have to. It's a fun thing for me to do, which says a lot about me as a person. So menu planning <laughs> and shopping lists will help you avoid um, a good chunk of your food waste because you're not impulse buying and normally and um, you're only getting what you need. Because I used to be very bad at being like, "Oh, I'll I'll eat that." Yeah, I'm going to buy that, and then it would go bad, and I would have to throw it out. So, menu planning and shopping lists are my green hack. Okay.
2: Yay! I have a great using, app um, too. I've been using um, Shipped a lot because. I don't know. I've just been feeling like overwhelmed at the grocery store. So I'm like the opposite of you at this moment in time. <laughs> like, I just like, I don't know if it's cause I'm in like a major city and it's just like, uh, like there's just all these people and all these cars and it's such a traffic like situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, it's, I find I'm spending a lot less money because I'm not, like, impulse buying, you know, like, oh, I'm walking by the chocolate and I need chocolate. (laughs) Like, I'm just, like, buying the ingredients that I need, you know, on whatever you use. Like, there's all kinds of these services now, but ours is, like, shipped and so I can just do that and I'm not, you know, wasting money and time. (laughs) Awesome.
1: Awesome. Well, um, where can we find you online, Chris?
0: On Instagram at Cedar Birch Cottage, here at Sustainable Geeky, uh, marginally geeky, and our uh, big one, Epically Geeky.
1: Woo-hoo. Jen, where can <laughs> we find you online,
2: Is yes, that all? I'm kind of uh, I'm Mia. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you She's can find me. Here. You know? sustainably
1: geeky is your exclusive look (laughs) um you can find me on facebook instagram and twitter at hess gonna be me um of course here on sustainably geeky and like chris said on the marginally geeky and epically geeky uh shows which are which is our parent company um and we uh, are also the show itself has a facebook page sustainably geeky uh, we're on the Epically Geeky YouTube, and we also are on Stitcher, and iTunes, and Google Play. So if you prefer to listen, um, that's where you can find us. Please subscribe. Give us a five-star rating and um, tell all your friends. Uh, definitely interact with us. We love it when people comment and send us messages. So send us your ideas and suggestions, um, and we will see you next month when we're going to talk about composting. Have a good night.
0: Bye. Bye.